You are listening to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Happy New Year and welcome to episode 39 of the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. So as this is our first episode of this new 2018 year, hopefully your New Year's resolutions are well on their way to being fulfilled. But if not, perhaps it's due to some force of destiny. Hey, speaking of destiny, our composer this week, Giuseppe Verdi, seemed an unlikely candidate for being one of the greatest Italian composers of all time. However, as we'll see as we investigate his Force of Destiny overture, he definitely found his place among the greats. Giuseppe was born in the tiny Italian village of Le Roncol in 1813. He is unique amongst our previous Italian composers that we have looked into in that no one in his family was really musical. However, education was highly valued in his family, and he began lessons, including music lessons, with local priests when he was very young. His first instrument was apparently organ, and he was given a position of substitute organist by the age of nine. His family eventually moved to Busseto, and it was here that Verdi began studying composition rather than just performance. He studied with Ferdinando Provesi, who was the director of the local Philharmonic Society. And young Verdi was a very eager child, ready to learn all things and not just music. His father was very willing to help him get the best education that he could. And as a result, Verdi received a very well-rounded education that would serve him well later in life as he was writing his masterpiece operas. Soon, in 1832, Verde wished to really up his composition game, and the place to do that was the Milan Conservatory. Though the eager young lad obviously had talent enough to get in, he was denied apparently because of his age, which kind of seems like an unusual excuse because he was 19 by this time. Regardless, he still furthered his education by taking both lessons from Vincenzo Lavinia and a job as a conductor of the Philharmonic Society. And at this time, Verdi really immersed himself in the Italian music scene by conducting and playing organ, but he really wanted to compose. And his dream finally came true in 1839, when his first opera, Oberto, was premiered at the esteemed Milan Opera Theatre, La Scala. This premiere was a triumph, the first of many in his operatic life, and the impresario at Scala was just as impressed as the critics, and he commissioned Verdi to write three more operas for the theater right away. These first early commissions had varied reviews at their premiere, but in general, Verdi enjoyed success. He really got into the swing of things and began premiering new operas about every nine months. And by 1853, he was very famous and quite wealthy. In this year, he premiered one of his most well-known operas, La Traviata, and after that, his creative output considerably decreased. During the next two decades, he only produced six new operas. Of this included The Force of Destiny. During this time, he seemed a little focused on matters other than strictly composition. Many of his operas were being picked up by foreign theaters, and so he committed himself to more trips abroad to help with those productions. We also see a side of his personality that his previous machine-like output might not have suggested, 
He spent considerable time editing many of his previous works to make them as crowd-pleasing as they could be, and with his previous rate of composition, this fastidious nature couldn't quite shine through. He also took some time to involve himself in Italian politics by becoming a deputy in the first Italian parliament. Interestingly, it seems he found parliament tiresome, as he only showed up to meetings occasionally. And in 1874, Verdi turned to a vocal form much different than the opera, which was the Requiem. This work, Verdi's Requiem, completed in 1874, seemed almost like a requiem to his career, as he officially announced his retirement from composition after his completion. Or did he? Because this <laughs> retirement wasn't as official as he thought it would be, and in 1886, he started composing once again, and produced another series of successful operas. These were unique in his output in that they were all based on the works of William Shakespeare. After having lived a long and prosperous life, Verdi suffered a heart attack in 1901. This sparked a national day of mourning and choirs conducted by Arturo Toscanini sang the praises of Verdi, the Italian opera master. So it was Verdi's destiny to be successful, and let's talk about one of his most successful operas, The Force of Destiny, and the piece that we're talking about, the overture to The Force of Destiny. So this opera was composed in 1862, and was premiered actually in St. Petersburg. As we mentioned before, it was written during the less prolific time in his life, with more time between each new work. Interestingly, the timeline within the opera itself depicts a time of over six years, and it's even written in four acts, which is quite the amount of music to be performed. The general plot revolves around a trio of characters, Leonora, her brother Don Carlo, and her lover Don Alvaro. There is a single act of fate that sets the plot in motion. As Leonora and Alvaro are eloping, a dropped handgun misfires killing Leonora's father. Her brother, Don Carlo, vows revenge. And, of course, as in all Italian operas, the plot is terribly convoluted, and while I'm watching them, I have no idea what's going on. But in general, everyone goes into hiding, nobody knows who anyone else is, until the very end when the vow of revenge is fulfilled, but everyone ends up dying. Oh, no. Of, of course. That's how, yep. <laughs> but Verdi actually revised the end of the opera in 1869, partly due to audiences feeling that the plot was overall just too violent. And his new ending has only one person dying, while the others have more of a religious epiphany and resolve to live out the rest of their lonely lives. So this sounds like pretty heavy material, but Verdi actually injects some lighter styles into the music. And we're looking at the overture today because... Like most overtures, it's kind of a best-of medley from the music of the opera. And this being an opera, everyone likes a good leitmotif. A leitmotif is really more of a Wagner thing, but we can kind of use that word here. So when Wagner wrote operas, he wrote different little themes for different feelings, objects, characters, and even different times of day. And this was to help the audience sort of follow along with his extensive ring cycle world. Richard Wagner was lord of the ring cycle. <laughs> now Verdi, he uses a suitable fate theme to tie together parts of his score, 
and perhaps signal times when the characters have chosen a path that they can't return from. We hear this fate leitmotif right at the beginning of the overture, when it's just a unison E that we hear in the brass. We then hear the strings come in with 16th notes, but they are sort of like decorations on this fate theme again. And next, we get some extensive quotation from deep within the opera. First, we hear the woodwinds with this quiet and mournful theme. And when this theme appears in the opera, it's first in a scene where Don Carlo and Don Alvaro are in disguise and swearing eternal friendship to each other. Quick aside, that sounds exactly like an Italian opera. Perhaps his (laughs) mournful nature is foreshadowing on Verdi's part, telling us this friendship pact will not survive the test of time. And after that, we hear another slow, but this time more hopeful theme, this time from the strings. This theme is from Leonora as she decides how to spend the rest of her life without Don Alvaro. And notice, in the background, we still hear the decorated fate theme. Our final theme is the sweetest of them all, and introduced by the clarinet. This is after Leonora has decided her fate and is going to live by herself peacefully in a cave for the rest of her life. Of note, this is the only of our three operatic themes here that doesn't have the fate theme constantly playing in the background. And it's perhaps because Leonora has escaped her dreadful fate with her good decision here. Or perhaps it's because she's created a new destiny for herself. Ooh. So we've heard three themes from Verdi included in the overture, and there are three characters in the story. Unfortunately, there are four acts to the opera, but in general, I'd say that Verdi might be subtly reinforcing the theme of three here. And let's look at some other examples of groups of three within this overture. First, the fate theme itself is just three notes. So that one's obvious, but what about this? Verde takes the second presented theme and uses very sparse orchestration to present it again. He uses solo woodwinds and passes the melody around three times, starting with the clarinet, passing to the oboe, and finishing with the flute.
Verdi also seems to force a transition to obey with his obsession of threes. We have a really grand buildup, and any other composer might have had the cadence, meaning the chords at the end of the phrase, be half as fast, but Verdi keeps the cadence in tempo, and it thus emphasizes the last three notes. And after this transition, the strings have an elaboration on the third theme by dividing each of the beats into triplets, meaning there are three notes per beat. The ending of this overture is pretty great. Remember at the beginning of the piece we had the fate theme and it sounded very minor and ominous. However, by the end, even though we know that the rest of the story is actually going to be a roller coaster, Verity has managed to make this ominous theme sound happy and triumphant. So we have the whole orchestra playing unison E, just like the brass did at the beginning. But to reinforce the major key that we've now gone into, Verde has the brass arpeggiate an E major chord, and then the orchestra even breaks into E major harmony for the big grand finale. With such a finale as that, you can tell that this opera was fated to be a great hit for Verde. <laughs> <laughs> and we are so glad that you have found the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Maybe it was fate, or you were destined to hear it, but probably it's you, our dear listener, is a discerning classical music lover. And if you know other people who might like this podcast, consider sharing this episode with them. It might just change their life. So that'll do it for us on episode 39 of the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. The Force of Destiny Overture was performed by the University of Chicago Orchestra, connected by Barbara Schubert. You can find The Coffee House on iTunes and Google Play. You can find our Facebook page by searching for at Coffeehouse Classical and then share your favorite episodes with your friends. You can email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com.